Hello and welcome to ITIC Insight, the podcast which shares loss prevention advice from ITIC, the world's leading provider of professional indemnity insurance for transport professionals everywhere. Hello, I'm Emma Lowerthy, ITIC's Marketing Director, and I'm joined today by Mark Brackman, our Legal Advisor, and Mark is also the Editor of the Claims Review. Hello. We are going to be talking about the latest edition of the Claims Review during this short podcast episode. So, Mark, for anybody listening who might not know, can you briefly provide an overview as to what the Claims Review is? Yeah, the Claims Review is a publication that ITIC has been producing for a number of years. I think this is issue number 44. I've recently taken over the editorship of the the, uh, uh, publication. I've done the last two, so this is my third one. And it is basically a review of claims that we see on a day-to-day basis at ITIC. We try to do claims that are particularly prevalent at the time. So in this particular issue, we've got a couple of COVID-related claims, and that's what it is. Great. And for anybody that might want to read the full edition of the Claims Review, you can head on over to our website and download the full publication from there. So if we dive straight into this edition, there's a claim story entitled Testing Times, which demonstrates how COVID-19 is having an impact on shipping and crew changes. Can you tell us what happened in this instance? Well, yeah, as, as everybody knows, COVID's been a big story over the last year, and obviously it's affected the shipping world. So as a club, as a professional indemnity insurer, we don't get particularly involved with claims involving COVID itself, like if you if you can't work because of COVID. However, we do provide cover where an agent or a manager has been negligent because they haven't complied with some kind of COVID law or regulation, and that has led to a loss by their principal. So in this particular case, there were regulations in place where all the crew had to be tested and they were tested, and one of the crew ended up with a positive test. But unfortunately, nobody noticed. Mainly, our member being the manager is the party that should have noticed, but they weren't to blame uh, completely because no one, including the master of the vessel, the port, the health and safety immigration authorities, or, or any of them saw it. So uh, it was only identified by the uh, port agent at the destination port. Oh, wow. So it was missed by a lot of parties, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So we managed to mitigate the loss somewhat because of that. The original claim was 350000 but we managed to settle it for just over, just about half of that because nobody spotted it. But it did cause a big problem because when they did notice that the uh, crew member did test positive, they obviously couldn't go to the destination port and had to turn around and go back to Manila. So, yeah, that's the sort of case that we see arising out of COVID. And there's actually another case in there which is also to do with COVID. That's what I was going to ask you about. I was just going to say that the COVID theme continues in a claim relating to port changes in regards to free pratique. What happened to the ship agent involved in that claim then? Well, again, what happened was the rules changed because of COVID. So the agent was aware that you can't, there used to be a procedure in that port where people could come in and before they had their free critique was issued, they could start offloading under, under what was called a quick start. And they came in and that's what they did. They proceeded on a quick start as they always had done for previous years. And they ordered some cranes in order to get on with it. But unfortunately, the court, the port had uh, changed their regulations and they'd banned this quick start procedure uh, because of COVID. And the agent didn't tell 
the owner, uh, their principal, that this had, that this had happened. But actually, they weren't actually asked either. So the owner just sort of got on with it and booked the cranes without even telling the agent what they were doing. So again, it's one where we managed to mitigate the loss slightly in, in respect of the member. So I guess it's worthwhile everybody just checking all policies and procedures and making sure that they're up to date with all of the latest information, isn't it? Well, yeah. Now, because of COVID, you know, there's been so many changes put in place by so many different ports, then it's it's very important that the member knows what's happening in their own port. Obviously, you can't know the regulations all around the world, but just make sure you know what's going on where you are. And most importantly, that you communicate that to your principals. And there's also a dedicated COVID-19 information and general resources page on the ITIC website. So I just recommend that any listeners that are looking for any updated advice, just yeah, keep checking that web page and have a look as to the content we're producing to try and help you keep on top of all of that. Sadly, there's yet another fraud warning in this edition. So we're obviously still seeing a lot of digital frauds and they don't seem to be going away anytime soon. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened in this case and what can listeners do to protect themselves against such digital frauds? Yeah, well, this is the same thing that we see time and time again, where uh, in this particular instance, it's to do with bunkers. So the agent was dealing with the bunkers on, on a vessel. The vessel had the bunkers supplied and the invoice was sent by the bunker supplier. But somewhere along the line, fraudsters had hacked the system. We're not quite sure where or how they got in but they removed the real invoice and they swapped it with their fake invoice. That was received by our member who then passed that on to the owner. The owner then paid that invoice and it was only a few days later when the bunker, the real bunker supplier said, why haven't we been paid, that the fraud had come, came to light. So it's the usual thing. And on this one, what we've been saying for, a, for quite a while now is, is, is saying that when you get a change of detail, bank details or, or an invoice that you haven't paid before, you should always phone them up. And in this particular one, the, the fraudsters tried to get around it by phoning up the agent themselves and saying, oh, you'll have seen that we've changed our bank details. We just wanted to tell you that that's all fine. And uh, don't worry about it. Carry on, which is what, what they did. So one of the... So that makes this slightly more sophisticated than some of the other frauds that we've typically seen, haven't we? This, I think this is the first time we've been aware of the frauds to actually getting ahead of themselves and actually calling yeah absolutely so they're obviously aware that people now check so by phoning up themselves they're thinking that they can uh, get around that particular hurdle so one of the things that we keep saying to the members is make sure you phone them up don't accept any calls from them and also when you do phone them up make sure you use a uh, a number that you already have in your possession or one that you've got from a, a third party website like, like, like their website you know publicly available website do not rely on the phone number on the invoice because that is more than likely to be the phone number of the hackers or the fraudsters so when you get through to them they'll just confirm their own fraud so yeah that that, that is the main thing that we recommend that people do is if there's any change of bank details or they are new bank details you must phone up the service supplier on a on an independent number and confirm that it's correct. And once again, there's a dedicated web page on the ITIC website, all to do with fraud. We've got numerous videos, loss prevention advice, a dedicated wire as well, just to offer you more hints and tips as to cybersecurity and how to protect yourself, because sadly, any business or individual could find themselves on the receiving end of such a fraud. So I think this claim highlights that everybody just needs to be 
careful, double check, and when in doubt, any new bank details, make sure you're checking them. Moving on, there's another claim which we've called on thin ice, which highlights the dangers of not checking that you're emailing the correct recipient address. What happened to the shipbroker in this claim, Mark? Well, again, this is something that we see quite often. Occasionally, when, especially with brokers, they, they enter into fixtures and afterwards there are post-fixture issues to be dealt with and claims to be passed on. And on this one, an owner had a claim to do with the, the ICE dues, hence, hence the title of the claim. They passed that on to the broker and asked the broker to forward it on to the charterer. The broker did forward it onto the transfer, but they used an ops uh, address, email address, rather than the claims email address that they were supposed to use. Now, in all these cases, it depends on, on the facts, facts of the all, because sometimes, you know, you can argue that by sending it to the ops email address, the charter still has it, and, and, and it doesn't matter that it didn't go to the dedicated claims address. However, if in the previous correspondence and when the fixture was, was being dealt with, it does say that all claims are to go to the claims email uh, address, then if you don't comply with it, you would be in breach of the contract. And they may well be able to successfully argue that they didn't get it, which was the case here. So always check when you send off emails that you are sending them to the correct email address. And that may well not necessarily be just the company, but the right email address within the same company. More good words of wisdom. There are also a couple of claims relating to naval architecture. In the claim seeing double, the naval architect doesn't appear to have made any errors, and yet they still find themselves presented with a claim. Is this common, and why did this happen in this case? Well, yeah, this sort of thing is very common, and it's one of the main reasons that people decide to get pressure indemnity insurance. It's not just because of when you do make a mistake, but because, as we often say, the price of innocence is, is high. So in this particular case, especially for naval architects dealing with yachts the people that you're designing yachts for tend to be quite wealthy and have a lot of money to cause problems if they feel that they've been wronged so here somebody went to a yacht designer who designed them a yacht and they were signed over the rights to the intellectual property of that particular yacht a few months later when they were out and about they noticed that there was another yacht that looked very similar to their yacht so they decided that this was a breach of their, their IP and decided to make a claim against the naval architect. Now, we defended this because we didn't think that there had been a breach. And what we likened it to is where you have a car designer like Porsche or Ferrari, they have a house style. So you know instantly when you see a car go by that it is a Ferrari and it might be one of their very they obviously have different types of Ferraris within their, their brand, but you can tell almost straight away that it is a Ferrari. And this is the same with these designers. This, the first person went to this designer specifically because they liked his style of design. And therefore, the other yacht just happened to be in the same style. But there were quite a lot of differences. So we refused to admit any liability and we decided to defend the claim. And the claim was brought in multiple jurisdictions and it became very expensive. I think the legal fees were well over 300,000 euros. Yeah. And so, you know, if you don't have cover for that, it can be a costly exercise, especially when you haven't done anything wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that claim shows you don't even need to have made a mistake to potentially be sued, do you? No, absolutely not. And it's often the case that you haven't made a mistake and you are sued. So, you know, a lot of the time we defend our members and they it turns out they don't have any liability. But defending can be very costly if you have to go to court to prove your, your case. 
Yeah, that's another really interesting claim. Um, and then finally, one of the new additions that we've added to the claims review since you've taken over editorship is an Ask the Editor section where members or insurance brokers or anybody else that we deal with can send you in a question relating to claims and you will answer it. And in this edition, you received a claim about NDAs. So you can tell me a little bit about what an NDA is, why a member might be asked to sign one and whether that has any impact on their cover with ITIC. Yeah, this new section is quite good, actually, and it's nice to hear from the, the membership. So if anybody is listening to this podcast, please do write in with any questions you have. And if we can answer them in future editions, we, we will. So in this edition, someone wrote in about NDAs. He said, so NDA is a non-disclosure agreement or a confidentiality agreement. And it's something that we're seeing more and more of here at ITIC. And it more in the context of if we sign these, are we prejudicing our cover with you? And the simple answer is no, in most cases you're not because we insure you for performing the insured service in the usual course of business. So if it's usual within your business to sign NDAs, which it, it often is these days, then we would not take any issue with you signing it. However, the caveat on that is all the exclusions in the policy still apply. So you have to make sure that the NDA that you're signing is A, not too bad for you as when you sign it, and also that you're not agreeing to things that aren't covered. So a, a good example of, of that is certain types of damages, you know, that there are certain damages under the policy which are excluded. So one of the uh, excluded types of damage are liquidated damages, which is supposed to be it's a set amount so basically they say if you breach this non-disclosure agreement you will pay us x so we do not pay x unless it actually is the loss so we're not saying here that you're not covered at all but what we are saying is is if you breach this non-disclosure agreement as part of your insured service and the loss to the other party is y but you've agreed to pay them x we would only cover y which is the actual loss that they've suffered not uh, a sum that's just been agreed in advance if it's over and above what the actual loss would be. So when you do sign these things, there's certain things to look out for. And we actually have on our website a, a learn an e-learning video that you can find. I think Emma, it's on, it's on, it's on the, the ETIC website. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. In fact, I think either you narrate it or Andrew Jameson, our claims director, narrates it, don't they? So there's a really short e-learning video that I'd recommend that you all go and check out, which provides you a lot more information. Thank you for your time today, Mark. I think that was a good introduction to Claims Review 44. As I said at the beginning of this episode, it, the publication is there on our website. There are many more claims. There's a Q&A series with the claims handlers. In this edition, it's Tom Irving, our general manager, who's interviewed. So you can find out a little bit more about Tom. Yeah, please go and read it. And we hope you enjoy this edition. Thanks, Mark. Thanks very much. I'll, I'll get on with writing issue 45. We look forward to reading that. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to ITIC Insight. We hope you found this edition interesting and informative. To ensure you never miss an episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts.